welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. If you have your Bibles and will turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 13, beginning at verse number 44. Matthew 13, beginning at verse number 44. Amen. God is moving. Uh, Brother Stephen is in Oklahoma right now, and he taught a couple of Bibles, one or two. He taught five, four Bible studies, and, and two have already been baptized in Jesus And I got a video this morning of him baptizing somebody in Jesus' name. Amen. See, you don't have to stand behind a pulpit to be an evangelist. We're all called to do that. Amen. And so I I, I thank God for what he's doing. Brother Steve, if you are watching, we are rejoicing with what God is doing in your friends and family back in Oklahoma. Amen. Matthew chapter 13. Before we read, look at your neighbor and say, it's harvest time. Tell them it's harvest time. And tell them don't get distracted at harvest time. The enemy fights the, the dirtiest at harvest time. So don't, don't let the enemy drag you in the gutter to a conversation, to thoughts, to ungodly entertainment, to, to offense. Put up your guard. Know the enemy. He knows... I'm going to tell you, the devil believes in his church, I promise you, more than all of us together. And so he knows how to fight it. And, uh, but here's the good news. Uh, we can kick him in the teeth in Jesus' name and just keep marching on. Uh, I'm going to be aware of him, but what's a yapping mutt to a moving freight train? Amen. So we're just going to keep plowing over that that little squeaking thing in Jesus' name. Verse number 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found it, he hideth, and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that treasure. Is that what it said? He buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessel, but cast the bad away. So it shall be at the end of this world when the angels shall come forth and shall and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto them, Have you understood all these things? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. This is one of the first times he didn't have to explain it to them. They said, We get that. We got it. Then he said unto them, For every scribe which is instructed into the kingdom of heaven 
is like unto a man that is in house, that is in householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Verse 44, one more time. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth and for the joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. I'm going to preach for a little while uh, this afternoon with your help and the help of the Lord. No treasure or no field, no treasure. No field, no treasure. No field, no treasure. Amen. And uh, I pray the Lord will be our help. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, your anointing, your glory, your power. Lord, I thank you that, that you unfold the word of life to each and every one of us. And I pray that you would move in this place, that you would let strength flow into this house, O oh God. Would you speak to each and every one of us, O oh Lord? Would you bring strength, O oh God? And power, O oh Lord. Would you bring revelation, O oh God? Would you bring, O oh God, a breakthrough in the name of Jesus? I pray right now, Lord, that every spirit of the age would be brought to heal under the power of your great name, Lord. I pray right now that sickness would be broken. I pray right now that discouragement would be upended, O oh God. And I pray that there would be encouragement and joy that would go forth in this house. Oh Lord, I pray for a great renewing of the Holy Ghost on each and every person that is set in the midst of this house today. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Oh, we worship and magnify that holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them no, no field, no treasure. Amen. The entire text that, that I read to you this afternoon deals with, with humankind finding and possessing a treasure. The man, the Bible says, sold everything that he had, and he bought the entire field so that he could possess the treasure. Jesus would only use these earthly stories with these profound heavenly meanings to drive home a point to each and every one of us. There are so many points that we could consider in just this parable alone. And, and any time a person uh, wanted to push another person uh, to greater heights of excellence, he, he would use this parable about the field and the treasure because it's absolutely profound. There are so many ways that we could bring this about to bring understanding about how important it is to bring commitment to receive the blessing and the promise of God in our life. A lot of people uh, refuse to differentiate here. They, they just kind of gloss this over, and they want the treasure, 
but they don't realize the point that Jesus was teaching on had nothing to do really with the treasure, but what Jesus was saying was, you cannot have the treasure unless you buy the whole field. It is a package deal. You don't get the treasure without purchasing the field. Turn to two or three people around them and say, you got to buy the field. Come on, tell them, you got to buy the field. Amen. It's not about do I get, amen, just the treasure because that's all I'm wanting. The point is it's a package deal. You got to get all of it. The people want, uh, people today want the results of higher education. They want the fruits of better jobs and, and a great economy and respect and all of those things. Amen. All of that is the treasure. But the field is the studying late at night. The field is working when everybody else goes on vacation. The field is being respectful to other people even when they're not respectful to you. When you fail, when you drop out, when you don't drop out, when you don't stop and when you keep on working, when you burn the midnight oil, when you when you when, when you work when everybody else quits, while everybody's playing, you're still at work. Then you will have the treasure. Amen. The field is all the hard work that is involved in order for you to get the treasure. I'm going to preach to you today and I want my, our young people to listen to what I'm saying. Having a walk with God is the most beautiful thing that you can have. Amen. But you don't get it by showing up to church. You got to put in the work. If you want the treasure of a relationship with Jesus, you got to put in some prayer time on your knees. You got to put in some commitment and fasting and sacrifice. I hear the statement all the time, amen, and I've said it myself, and there's nothing wrong with this statement, but I hear it all the time, amen, we want a revival church, we want to be a revival church, amen, that's the treasure. Revival church is interesting. It's never boring. Amen. It's colorful. It's exciting. It's different. There's brand new songs. There's brand new choruses. Amen. There's no dead oint, uh, flies in the ointment of the apothecary of God's anointing. Amen. It, it, it's, it's the fire in every service. It's the, it's the never falling off. It smells good. There's no staleness there. There is healing. There is power. There is demonstration. There's healing, signs, wonders, miracles, and salvation. Amen. Uh, amen. Unpre unprecedented power begins to happen, amen, in a revival church. But I want you to know something. All of that's good and great, but all of that is the treasure. But the refield is what we've got to do in order to become a revival church. We can shout about the treasure, but until we put the work in the field, all of that is a pie-in-the-sky dream. But for in order for us to be that revival church or to get and attain that level of revival and harvest, we have to have an ironclad consistency. We have got to have a dogged determination to preach the doctrine of the Bible. We've got to fall in love with holiness. We've got to love evangelism. We've got to pray continually. We've got to fast. There needs to be agonizing and anguishing over the lost in prayer. There's going to be disappointments. There's got to be witnessing and evangelism. There's going to be doors you knock on that they slam in your face. There's going to be people you pick up to go to church amen that are never going to walk out to your car but remember God didn't say buy the treasure he said buy the field 
Just let me pause and say this right here. Amen. God never told one sinner to go to church. I know it just got a little quiet, but hold on. God never told a single sinner to go to church. He told the church to go to the sinner. And that's the trouble. I, I, I know what I said. Amen. Didn't make us run the aisles, but hold on. I, uh, I know that because scheduling is tough and we're all busy and we've got a lot of things going on. We got kids to raise and we got appointments to get to. We got jobs to work. We got homes to maintain, relationships that we've got to tend to. I want you to know something. That is the field. But if you don't work the field, you don't get the treasure. Amen. If you don't do work in the field, then we can't reap the reward of the treasure. Let's examine for a moment the treasure of friends and, and relationships and, and friendships. The old timer said that if in your lifetime you could say that you have five real friends, that you were a rich person. Amen. This is one, not the only, but one of the customs of having six pallbearers was the idea if you found six people willing to carry you and put you in a grave, you were a blessed person. A friend is a friend at all times, the Bible says. We don't have real friendship anymore. We have acquaintances. I, I, I can't t tell you how many times I've had somebody come up to me and be somewhat offended that I don't know them. And I'll, and I'll say, you don't know who I am? I said, no, I am, I'm so sorry. And, and I, from the depth of my heart, I don't mean to not know them. This, well, we've been friends on Facebook for six years. No, we, we have been acquaintances on Facebook for six years. And a truth, but man, I don't know. Some of them lie so much with them profile pictures, I wouldn't have known them anyway. Okay, Brother Vincent. You <laughs> I see these women got, then these men got these pictures up. Man, they're fine and fit as a fiddle. 20 something looking good, and you find out they're 60 something years old, but that's what they want everybody to think they are. <laughs> Nothing wrong with posting an old picture. You do realize any picture you have of yourself is an old picture. Did, did you catch that? Any picture you possess of yourself is a picture when you were younger. <laughs> you thank me later for that one. Amen. They're not friends. They're acquaintances. They're just acquaintances. We don't, we don't know each other. The test of friendship is when you run out of money and you still got month. When you need prayer at 2 a.m. because you got a headache that it won't stop and the Advil didn't work and the, and the Excedrin didn't work, work. Can you, can you, and I'm not talking about just post it on there and say, will you pray for me? And you get a bunch of folded hands. Amen. I'm talking about somebody that will pick up the phone and say, I'll pray, I'll pray with you right now in the name of Jesus. 
a friend, amen, a friend, when you say, I can't go any further, I feel like I just need to to quit. I, I can't take another step. I can't go any further. They don't just go off, a friend don't just go off and tell somebody, hey, they're about to quit. They don't think they can make it anymore, amen. They're discreet people, amen. The kind of people that accept the bad and the good in you, and they mix it up together, and then they just accept the mixture, you see, because a friend says, I know you may want to quit, but I won't let you quit. If I have to throw you over my shoulder, and I have to carry you over that line myself, I will. I'm going to love you when you need loving. I'm going to pray for you when you need prayer. I'm going to lift you when you need lifted, but I'm also going to tell you, quit being a dummy. When you act like a dummy, straighten up and fly right. Amen, to have a friend like that, a friend, as the old timers used to say, a friend to ride the river with, amen, a friend to stand by you. You see, that's the treasure. That's the treasure, but the field is drastically different. Sometimes it's very awkward to walk with a friend. That's that friend that gets into trouble. You gotta help them get out of. You can celebrate the treasure, but it is the field that it takes to build a friendship. We want the treasure, but we don't wanna buy the field. You've got to buy the good times and you've got to buy the bad times. You've got to buy the ups and you've got to buy the downs. You've got to buy the ins and you've got to buy the outs. You have got to buy all of it. If you want the treasure, you've got to buy all the field. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. I don't need a brother that just likes the way I grill steaks. I, 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 I need a brother that when the steaks are down, it's going to show up. I, I don't, hey man, I don't want a brother that just smiles and marches with me in cadence. I want a brother in the foxhole that's got my back. When the bombs are being lobbed and the bullets are flying and the missiles are screaming overhead. Amen, a brother is born for reverse adversity. Amen, I know this is not an atypical Sunday message, but I've come to preach and strengthen some of you. Amen, you don't need to be in this by yourself. I thank God for you sweet precious women of God. I watch you get together and pray and unify. I thank God for you masculine, wonderful men of God. You get together and you pray and you unify. That's the way it's supposed to be. I believe everyone in this room's got my back more than anybody I know and I want you to believe that this old preacher's got your back better than anybody you know because we are in this together. We're not here for just the treasure. We're here for the field. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, iron sharpeneth iron. Wood don't sharpen iron. It's, it's, it's more fun to hit wood with a sword than it is iron. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. When you hit iron with iron, sparks fly, but you're still friends to the end. My old pastor used to say it like this. It's okay to disagree but don't be disagreeable. You both don't have to be right. It is possible to both be wrong. Amen. Amen. Be careful when you break fellowship. 
and have a fallout over ideas. I only got, only got one way to the Bible about breaking fellowship, and that that's somebody that denies the faith, that once knew it. That's it. We need to love one another. We need to love one another. Amen. I, I know we got good news today, and, we, and we're, we're marching into, amen, a few blocks down, about to not march into, by faith, into a new building. Amen. And I know this is a Sunday, and usually I save these for a midweek. Amen. But I wanted to encourage you. A friend loveth at all times, and iron sharpeneth iron. So don't get offended when you call your prayer partner, and they say, yeah, you're having them problems because you're too carnal, and you're too worldly, and you're not praying enough. And I think I know enough of us in here to know that they wouldn't do that on the first time or the fifth or the tenth time you had that problem. Amen. But if you keep falling into the same old mud puddle, a real friend's going to tell you, you need to walk around it. You need to do things a little bit different. You need to grow up and mature and move on. You, you, you need to put away childish things. You need to quit talking like a child. You need to move on. You need to mature and grow up in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Sometimes your friend does things. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've got friends that sometimes they do things and I, I want to choke them. It makes me so mad. It frustrates me. Amen. That they do such dumb things. Maybe I'm the only one that has friends like that from time to time. Amen. There's some of you. Amen. You got you got family. You got friends even in this church. Every once in a while they do some things. You just kind of want to, you know, give them one upside the head. What are you thinking? What what what's going through your mind? What's wrong with it? It doesn't make you stop loving them. It doesn't make you think any less of them. Amen. What it shows is you have so much invested in them. You have so much invested in their good and in their bad. In their ups and in their downs. Amen. When God saved me and God allowed me to be a part of this awesome first church family. Amen. We bought the field together. The good, the bad and the ugly. We bought the whole thing. Amen. We bought the, we didn't just buy people that talked in tongues. We didn't buy just the good times of shouting and running but we bought the bad times and we had to bury church members and we bought the bad times when people backslid and walked out on God but we hung on together and said in this field there is a treasure and that's why I'm here is to work the field we're talking about quality living somebody say quality living that's what quality living, not, not, not frothy, shallow, Laodicea living. I'm talking about commitment. Somebody shout commitment. I, I know commitment's an, an, an ancient word that's fallen out of, our, out of our vernacular, but commitment's still a thing. Amen. It's tough. It's tough sometimes. But guess what? The field is tough sometimes. But let me tell you something. It still brings the treasure. The field is tough sometimes. There is some rocks. There is some briars and thorns. There is some knuckleheads. There are some people that are going to do things wrong. But guess what? In the field, you're also going to find loveness and loving kindness and gentleness and meekness and patience and joy and healing. Amen. You're going to send texts sometimes that don't get replied. You're going to send emails that they don't respond to. You're going to make phone calls that don't get returned back. Don't you give up on people. And 
don't you get jaded and angry and bitter at people and start thinking that nobody wants God, nobody loves God, and nobody loves me. Honey, you are in the field. You got to keep working until you get to the treasure. You're going to have to put up with some bad days. But guess what? All of the good days outweigh my bad days. And I cannot complain. God is so good to me. We need to have enough love for one another. Amen. I hope this is all right today. I hope I hope I didn't disappoint you. But we got to have so much love for one another that when they get a blessing or they get a miracle, we outshout them for their blessing and their miracle. But when they mess up, we look at them and say, I love you enough to not leave you in the mud of your failure. And I love you enough not to rub your face and your transgression. But I love you enough to get on my knees myself and wipe your face and pick you up off the ground because you are a part of the treasure. You are a part of what I am a part of. I know you messed up. I know you messed up. And yeah, I want to kick you sometimes for doing it. But you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You want to you know why you're going to make it? Because God said you're going to make it. And God said if you're willing to get back up, he's willing to keep investing mercy in you. Amen. I didn't always please my pastor. I didn't always please my pastor. I wish I could say my pastor has never been disappointed in me. I wish I could, but I'd be lying. If I said that, I'd be lying. I wish I could always say I never disappointed my parents. But I'd be lying. There were times when my pastor felt he could choke me. Maybe even recently, I don't know. There have been times when, when my pastor came to me and he straightened me up sometimes in ways I thought was okay and ways I wish he did not have done. But it wasn't up to me to pick the treasure. It was up to me to work the field. There were times he was hard. I thank God for my parents. There were times they could have, and did sometimes. Well, maybe not. Well, I don't know. In the hospital, my dad was being ornery. The doctor was in there, and my dad was, in his own way, trying to manipulatively argue with the doctor. And I said... And the doctor said, well, if you'll just kind of do it the way I said it, my dad said, but, but, you know, this is another way. And I said, you know what? I started unbuckling my belt. And I started pulling my belt off real slow. I said, you know, I said about 35 years ago, if you would have talked to me like that, the way you're talking to him, you'd have unraveled them 48 inches of leather. And you'd have straightened my attitude up. Then I started putting my belt on. I said, but even though you're old and crippled, I'm still scared of you. <laughs> I'm sure there were times I made their life difficult. I'm sure there are times my pastor probably looked at me and thought, if this boy makes it, it will be one of God's greatest miracles but I am thankful for the fingerprints he put on my neck. 
I know this is old-fashioned preaching and not fit for a Sunday on two, in 2023, but I'm thankful my pastor got a hold of my neck sometimes and said, boy, you better straighten up and fly right. I'm thankful there were times he looked at me and said, you better straighten that attitude up. You need to get it right. And I didn't even think I had an attitude. But you know what I did? I went to prayer and I spent some time fasting and saying, God, whatever my pastor's seeing in me, get it out of it. Show, show it to me. I don't want that in my life. And you know what? He was always right about it. There was always something lurking beneath the surface that I couldn't see within myself. But you know what? I began to learn if I will submit myself, if I will just listen to the word of God. Amen. I, it, I don't have to like it. I don't even have to. I hope this is okay. I don't even have to agree with it. Listen, I'm not preaching up here to pat myself on the back and tell you to get ready for me to straighten you out. That's not even it at all. What I am telling you, amen, is that God will put you in situations and he'll put a promise in your life and he'll put a treasure in your life, but he's going to say if you're going to get it, you're going to have to sharpen iron with iron. You're going to have to love at all times. You're going to have to walk through that valleys to get to a mountaintop. I thank God he kept praying for me. I, I, I thank God he kept loving me and, and admonishing me. Amen. There's nothing like having a pastor that believes in you. Amen. I remember uh, Pastor Hurst coming to me right as God was preparing to launch me into ministry. And I remember Pastor Hurst coming to me one night at church. Uh, and he didn't ask me a question. He looked at me and said uh, very firmly, and it, 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 it somewhat stung. He looked at me and said, your prayer life's not good enough. And it stunned me. He said, your prayer life is not good enough. And I, I, I could have argued with him. I could have said, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm up here every night for at least two hours with a group of young men. We pray seven nights a week for at least two hours. He said, your prayer life is not good enough and you need to get it better. And he turned to walk off and then he took about three steps. He must have been sensing my attitude and he turned around and he walked back and he said, let me make it plain to you. He said, you think you got a calling in a ministry that you think talent alone one day will set. It's not gonna do it. You're not smart enough. You don't have the gifting. What you do have is an anointing. And for you to learn to walk in it, you got to learn to walk in it first in a prayer room. He said, when I drive by this church, I ought to see your truck parked in the parking lot. Amen. I ought to see it lasting longer than I come to this office myself. And you know what I did? I said, okay. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't have time. I work with two jobs most days of the week, but I'm going to do it. On my lunch break, I went and prayed. On my on, When I had a 20-minute break, I'd run down there and pray for 10 minutes. I was spend hours in the evening and even into the morning praying. Why? Because that's what he said. I, and you know what? He was right. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. And yes, the anointing can make up the difference. I thank God he put those fingerprints on my life and said, so I want to tell some of you here today, hey amen, you got gifting and you got talent, but it'll never make up for an integral walk with God. If you are going to make it, if you are going to get the treasure, if you are going to be what God wants you to be. It's not going to be because of who your mom and daddy is. It's not going to be because you got a 4.0. It's not going to be because you've got all the skill in the world. It's going to be because you found a place to pray and you found a place to fall in love with Jesus and say, I want the treasure so I'll buy the field. I thank God for my pastor. There's nothing, there's nothing like having a praying pastor. Amen. I thank God. Now, you can go if you want to. 
Amen. I'm talking about a pastor, not a tithe collector with a fat belly. I'm talking about a pastor that'll love you, not just stroke your ego. Amen. That'll tell you when you're right and congratulate you, but set you straight when you are wrong. Amen. He's a man that's involved, a man that prays, a man that you know when tough times get tough, you can call and you can say, Pastor, pray for me. Amen. And you know that they're going to pray for you. Amen. I believe when we call on God, that God will answer. So you can go ahead. Amen. You can attend this church and then attach yourself to some little TikTok preacher on the internet and put all your confidence in him. But the moment you're willing to buy the whole field, amen, warts and all, and you realize that God's got a plan for your life and you attach yourself to the field and say, I may not like his shoes. I may not like the truck he drives. I may not like the side of the head he parts his hair on, but bless God, I know that's a praying man. I know that's a man that preaches truth and that's a man that's gonna love my family. Amen, you buy into that. You buy into the whole field. Because a friend loveth at all times. We want the treasure of friendship, but we don't want to buy the field. Bishop Kinsey said something yesterday. He posted on the internet, and I said, my God, I wish I'd have come up with that. He said, you have no right to demand more of your pastor than you put in in prayer. Amen. Good preaching can't make up for a lack of a prayer life. Good teaching doesn't make up for a lack of consistency in your life. Oh, man. It's a Sunday and I'm doing this. Amen. Amen. Those bonds are forged in fire. Say, so those bonds are forged in fire. Those bonds are forged through the fire of adversity. A brother is born for adversity. Look at your neighbor and say, we were born for this battle. David did with Jonathan. Likewise, Jonathan with David. I've often thought, I'd love to have a friend like Jonathan. And it occurs to me, well, then why don't I be that Jonathan to somebody else? He was next, next in line for the kingdom, next in line for the throne until he saw a boy come walking down, a man down the streets of the city carrying the head of a giant that his father was too chicken to get up and kill. Amen. Their souls were knit together in love. Even against his own father, he stood with David. They shared garments and covenants. Amen. When it was cold, their motto was, what warms me will warm you. In my battle, my sword is your sword. We're going to get into some sticky situations sometimes, but we're going to make a covenant. Your battle is my battle. I'm talking about a friendship of commitment. I would to God that some of you would lock into the family of God and say, your battle is my battle, and your sword is my sword, and your blessing is my blessing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The moment you lock in like that, this doesn't become just an assembly. It becomes a church family. Because when you hurt, I hurt. When you cry, I cry. When you're happy, I'm happy. But when you're walking through the flames of hell, guess what? Get ready. I'm going to burn with you too. Amen. It is a matter of saying, you're going through it. I'm going to go through it with you. You got a blessing. I'm going to shout with you. I'm going to worship. You got a new car. Hallelujah. I'm going to shout like that's my new car. You got a promotion. I'm going to shout like it's my promotion. You lost a loved one. I'm going to grieve like I lost a loved one. You want to know why? We are in this thing together. Yeah. 
I know this may sound like it's coming out of the blue, but I'm going to tell you something. I know how the enemy works. It's moving time. It's moving time. And he's going to pick off on those. And I want to tell you something right now. Everybody under the sound of my voice and those that aren't even here, you are too valuable to the treasure for us not to invest in you in the field. You're too important. We're not going to let you. We're going to pray with you. As we make this transition, we make this move, we're going to be shouting. We're going to be excited. I've, I've seen it happen every time we've made a move. Every time, Brother Chase, we've made a move. I've seen people get offended over the dumbest things. I really debated whether we should be live today or not because I've seen people get offended over the dumbest things. Well, Brother God, Brother God walked by me three times and only shook my hand once. What a heathen. I, I bet he beats his wife too. Well, you don't know it. The, the truth is, no, I'm just kidding. He's the one hurt all the time. So. But, but in harvest time and moving time, the person that says it won't say it to you. Birds of a feather. They'll find somebody else that's in a struggle, Brother Chase, and they'll walk over, and they'll share it with them. And then that person will say, you know what? He didn't invite me to work at the church either. This church is filled with people that don't love us. I stand back sometimes. I stand back. Is this okay? I stand back sometimes and I, I'll watch in our campuses and I'll watch two people that never are around. All of a sudden. And I instantly go, oh no. Because they're both carnal as a three-legged dog. And God didn't pull them together. The enemy pulled them together. And then those two will find number three. Until they eventually find somebody that was on fire for God and is in a battle and they turn them. We're not here for just the treasure. We're here for the whole field. We got to love one another enough that if somebody comes up to me and says, and hey, don't tell anybody, but you heard what Sister Olivia's been doing, right? We got to love one another. You know, I don't. I didn't hear it, but you know what? Sister Olivia's right there. Why don't you tell her? We're in revival. We ain't got time to play these games. And if you can't do that, 
say, you know what, I haven't heard that. And do not quit until you say, but let's call pastor and see if he's heard about this. And if for some reason, if I'm not able to answer, leave a voicemail loud and clear. I'll get back with you. Somebody going to slip around and say, well, brother, chase this. or You know, I know pastor loves him, but you know, you cut that thing off. Say, I love you, but I love you too much to let you go down that road. Oh, we got a great church. We got great leaders. Oh, but, oh, you know, you, sometimes, you know, Brother Garza, you know, no, cut it off. Just makes sense. I'm, I'm getting you ready to move. Because if we're going to get the treasure, we got to take the whole field. Get the whole thing. When God called us here, and I saw the revival that God has for this city, I had no idea of the junk we were going to have to go through in the field. Matter of fact, if God would have told me that, I'd have probably stayed on the evangelistic field. And you can act shocked, but if you knew all the things you had to go through to get where you were, you'd have done the same thing too. That's why God never talks about valleys, only the mountaintop. When you find the treasure, you buy the whole thing. When we want to be a revival church, that means we're going to have to put up with some people that come in that don't look like us. They don't act like us. Some of them don't smell good. Some of them slept up under a bridge for the last three weeks. And we don't want our kids to get too close to them. But you just keep on loving and you keep on digging because there's a treasure in this field. There might be some come in and they might be all high and mighty and act too good for their own shoes. Amen. But you just keep on loving because God called us to the field, not just the treasure. Paul wrote, Paul wrote and he said uh, to Philemon, he said, tell Onesimus hello for me. He ministered to me in my bonds. If you were looking for a prisoner in those days, you didn't go to an internet database. You didn't go to a federal uh, website to find who the prisoner was. You would go from city to city, prison to prison, to dungeons, uh, looking and searching and lifting heads and moving chains, amen, to find who it was you were looking for. And Paul was saying, that the man, a man went to some, a, some trouble to look for Onesimus. He was trying to find him and encourage him. A man, oh, for that kind of friendship and that kind of love. Paul said, when I was in prison, he was in prison with me. And I love him. I just want you to encourage that young man that life has given up on, that young man that society's given up on. Friendship has got to be loyal and true. You got to buy the field if you want the treasure. No field and no treasure. You have got to buy the whole field. I'm almost done. Just give me a few more minutes. I got off my notes. and There's a treasure in friendship, but I want to tell you something. There's a treasure in marriage. Oh, hallelujah. 
the older you get, the more funerals you attend. And you see all the families knit together in sorrow and in loyalty. The more you then realize that the most important thing on earth other than God's family is a family unit. That's the reason why the devil hates your family. That's why there is an assault on families right now. Because if he can destroy the family, he will tear the church apart. The family unit is as close to heaven as you can get on this earth. Don't you let nothing get between you and your spouse. Don't you let nothing get between you and your kids or you and your parents. Amen. The family unit, when in old age, has come down like an avalanche. Amen. Is a museum of memories that will withstand anything. You can sit around and talk about how wonderful it was. Amen. Because you held on in the time of tribulation in that family. In our time of marriage, listen to me, we have not let the word divorce become a part of our conversation and be a part of our vocabulary it is absolutely not an option and you better take that word out of your mouth and you better take it out of your vocabulary and you better take it out of your conscience violence maybe murder okay but divorce no A lot of us want the museum of memories, but we don't want to buy the field. There's, there's, there's the saying, I'm sorry, and the making up. Is this okay? There's no back door. There's no exit to this. It's forever. You need to be invested in your marriage. Man, I feel like an old preacher today. You need to be invested in your marriage. You need to love one another. I may have preached you angry, but I'm, I'm going to preach you happy whether you like it or not. Saying I'm sorry a million times is going to be worth it. To just be right and end up by yourself in old age, slobbering on yourself, dying alone in your house. They don't find your body for two weeks all because you had too much pride. So mean your own kids didn't want to be around you. So the state has to put you in a home where you're treated terrible. I think I'll take the other alternative. I love my family. I love my family. I'll invest in the treasure and the field of my family. Amen. When it gets old, uh, love must be renewed. When you have disagreements, you still got to stay together. There's going to be problems. There's going to be anxieties. You hear me? There's going to be anxieties. There's going to be stress. Uh, there's going to be problems. There's going to be strokes and cancers and headaches. Uh, there's going to be high blood pressure and diabetes and all kinds of issues uh, that make you feel uncomfortable in life. Uh, but you got to cling one to another and say I didn't just marry you for the good times I stood at an altar one day and I said for better for worse richer for poorer in sickness and in health till death do us part and I know you may not like me right now but I'm going to love you because you are the treasure and I'm willing to work the field
And Brother Lucas, if you'll come. I know we live in a silly, shallow little age. We want everything fixed right now. Everybody thinks that they're a marriage counselor. Everybody's got, I'm going to fight for our families in 2023. I'm going to fight for our families in 2023. We're going to fight for good marriages, not, not tolerance. Don't worry, I've been going to preach this for four weeks. I was preaching this somewhere recently. I said, we, we come to these like mutually assured destruction marriages. You stay in your corner, I'll stay in mine. You cross me, I'll destroy you. And I know you'll destroy me, but we'll be, we'll be. Too many cold wars going on in homes. See, the devil didn't mind if I was preaching the other stuff. This is because he knows the power of a church is in a home. We got homes where, yeah, you can feel victory and joy and shout and dance, but the moment your spouse or your kids walk in, you lose all that victory. That is not the will of God. I refuse. I, I, one of these days, if God should tarry, and if they can run fast and dodge my aim, she's going to get married. It's got to be at least 25 years away. I told her she had to do what I did. I waited until I was 30 to start dating And if you tell her different, we're going to have trouble. But one of these days, listen, all these beautiful young girls and these, these handsome young men, the Lord should tell you, they're going to get married. If God wills it for their life. And you know what kind of marriage they're going to have? Most likely, the marriage you showed them. So if you think, I never want my kid to go through what I'm going through in this marriage, you better fix it. You better fix it. Because anything short of that, we set them up for failure. Marriage is a field. A bond is a treasure. I feel like I showed up at the beach in ski gear. Your wife is still worth it. Your husband's still worth it. Dr. Phil ain't gonna fix it. Only Dr. Jesus. Say, I've tried to pray it through. That's fine. Good. I'm glad you tried to pray it through. Did y'all try to pray it through? I see so many parents, and I know not here, but I see so many parents in churches. They are at such odds with their kids. You got to fix that. We live in such a silly little world. We want our instant gratification. 
And if we don't like it here, we'll go find somewhere else we do like it. We got church hopping, religion hopping, all kinds of hopping. People are hopping mad. They're hopped up, hopped off, hopped on. I'm going there. The grass looks greener over there. It's probably greener because it's sitting on a septic tank. For a few months, the greenest part of our yard is where we had a leech line that leaked coming out of the septic tank. Sure was pretty, but you didn't want to walk across it barefoot. I pray God make us colorblind to the other pastures. Say, I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I'm going to work this field till I get the treasure. Let me tell you something. If you go to a greener pasture, you're probably going to be sorry for that. You can get by with a while, but for a while, but eventually the thorns and the brambles are going to grow up there just like they do everywhere else. Everything takes work. Did y'all hear that? Everything takes work. Let me tell you what Nathan J. Hurst would tell us all the time. There is no free lunch. Everything takes work. Good marriage takes work. Guess what? Bad marriage takes work. Good kids raising them takes work. Raising bad kids take work. Having a godly home takes work. Having a sinful home takes work. There's no free lunch. You got to pay it. You got to invest into it. It ain't always easy to come to church every time the doors are open. Everything's pulling for our time, but I'll tell you what. All them times, my friends got to go to this over here, go do that over there, and I was so, I felt I was abused because my parents wouldn't let me miss church to go do that. I look back at it now, and I'm saying, I am so glad they bought the field. And they didn't let me miss because there was a ball game or a show on. They didn't let me miss. They made me go to church. And I didn't even have to like it. But here I stand all these years later. And I am thankful that they bought the field. I know sometimes I may, may my parents or my dad seemed to be. I'm, some of y'all wish you could jump in the time machine and call CPS. But I really am thankful that they made me go. I can't think of one time I stayed home from church sick. I cannot think. I have thought. I can't think. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Look, 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 look. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just, they didn't believe in that. They didn't think about contagions and stuff like that. You got a fever, stay home. Don't come get us all sick. But my parents didn't believe in that. They took me to church and left me in the car. I'm, I'm just telling you the honest God truth. They, they say, crack the window. Um, that's just, and I, and I, can I make that very clear? Don't come to church sick. But that was the mentality they put in me. Our, our little league team went to the World Series. Guess who didn't go? The MVP, the guy that made the All-Stars. I couldn't go. My coaches couldn't stand my parents. I couldn't go. We weren't playing on a Sunday. We were playing on a Wednesday night. Wasn't allowed to go. I thought, man, my parents hate me. 
I went to church that Wednesday night, and I'm telling you, it was, oh, it was the most boring service you've ever been in in your life. The music was terrible. The singing was terrible. My pastor preached, taught one of the most boring sermons I ever heard in my life. Am I, am I kidding? I sit there and I thought, I missed going to Mississippi playing the World Series for this. But I look back at that 30-something years later and I say, thank God. Thank God. My dad was one of the workingest men I ever knew in my life. He, he would work seven days a week. My grandfather, <coughs> who wasn't in the church, thought we, they could make a little bit more money by staying open on Sundays. And my dad finally stood his ground and said, Dad, you can open on Sundays, but I cannot miss church. And so my grandfather said, all right, then you'll take the shift from, from, from noon to five. <coughs> my dad worked Monday through Friday. He would leave. He'd get to work. They opened at eight. He'd get there at six. He wouldn't leave till six. He did that Monday through Saturday. He'd come to church, wore out, exhausted. <clears throat> Thank God this only lasted about six months. He'd be in the service. At 11.55, he would step into the bathroom in the back of the church. He'd put on his work clothes, and he'd drive like a bat out of torment. He'd get to the shop, and he'd go work. Church started at 6. He didn't even go home. He'd come to church. My mom would have a lunch made for him. He'd get to church. He'd change in the bathroom. I remember going in there and washing his face and shaving. And he'd go back in there and he'd worship that service. I can't tell you what an impact that made on me. Whether you know it or not, you're buying the whole field. And one of these days, you're going to see the treasure of the investment that you made. Would you stand with me? Amen. I really wish I'd have preached something better. And I'm not just saying that. I really, I, I, I really do. I wish, I wish I'd have, you know, something more profound. But I watched my dad's been, in, been back serving the Lord for about a, about a year now. And uh, he told me, he told me, I mean, he's, he's in a lot of pain. He don't like taking pain medicine for him, for it. And uh, Friday night, I laid, laid on the floor. I slept on the floor Friday night beside him. Because, he, because he's honoring enough, he'll get up and try to go to the bathroom by himself. You know how they are. Oh, how the roles have reversed but you can't whip them. That's the problem. I mean, if I could whip him like he whipped me, these things would be easy, Brother Clifton. I'd say, my whack, don't get up out of that bed. Tell boy, I'd say, don't get out of that bed, but you can't do that. I'm still convinced he could kill me from flat on his back. And so, Brother Kurt, I, Brother Kurt, I, I stretched out on the floor with a pillow, and that's where I, I slept. Well, I laid 42. I can't sleep on the floor. I can lay there. And every time he'd try to move, he'd uh, set up a look. And he got up. I had to leave Saturday morning to get to Dallas to fly out. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Or as my dad says, two-and-a-half hours for him. It's 25 minutes for me. And I set up, and 
he was grunting, so I, I helped him set up on the edge of the bed. He said he needed to go to the restroom, and he stood up, and he's wobbly, and, and he looked me in the eyes, and as serious as he could be, he said, you know, I think I can make it to church tomorrow morning. And I said, no, you ain't. You, you can't. I said, no, your pastor's a friend of mine. I'm going to call him and tell him to banish you from church for the next 10 days. And I did, I did. And so Pastor Calhoun had to let him know you cannot come back to church until the doctor says okay. When he looked at me and said, I, I believe I can make it to church tomorrow. Man, something left with him. Hey, listen, I've lived with him being out of church 20-something years. Something leapt within me and I saw the fire flash in his eyes from when I was a kid. And I thought, here's a man who bought the field. And one of these days, I know the field is tough. I know life is hard. But child of God, one of these days, we're going to step into the treasure of eternity. And we're going to say it was worth it all. It was worth every pain, every heartache. It was worth betrayal. It, 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 it was worth it was worth loving that brother that didn't love me back it was love encouraging that sister who never encouraged me it was worth enduring that preaching on that Sunday that pastor did it was worth it because if I'm going to get the treasure I got to buy the whole field hallelujah I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know it was going to end like this. In complete transparency, I'm taken back a little bit. I don't want you to miss heaven because you got caught in the brambles and the briar and the thorn of the field. I don't want you to miss the treasure because you spent too much time complaining about the rocks. I don't want you to get discouraged because you didn't get your piece of the pie when you thought you should. But I wonder if there's anybody this afternoon that says, I'm here for the whole field. I'm here for the whole thing. I'm here for the rough days and the good days. I'm here for the dance and I'm here for the tears. I'm here for the celebrations and I'm here for the funerals. I'm here for all of it. This is the treasure. This is the field that I'm investing in. Oh, hallelujah. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Jesus. This is my church. I said that one time. I said, this is my church. Somebody came to me and said, it ain't your church. That's God's church. It's God's church. It's my church. Yeah, it's God's church. But it's my church. Like it's your church. 
glad I'm a part of this church. I'm going to tell you, my life is better for having known you. Every person in this room has added great value to my life. And I hope you feel that way about everybody else in this room. What I'm trying to say is this. Get united. Get connected. Get locked in. And make up in your mind right now. This is my treasure. And I'm going to work this field. The field is Vacaville. The church is the treasure. I'm going to keep working the field because there's more that God has for us. Would you would you join me in the altar? I, this is going to be one of the last Sundays by faith that we're going to have such small altars. But would you, would you join me in the altar for just a moment? I'm so thankful for the family of God. And and listen, I, I'm not saying this because I want you to say anything or to pat me on the head or any of that. Look, I know you, you walk out here and chalk it down. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.